2: Oh, Billing, what a lovely
3: turn, and now it's played to the right-hand side where Stacey's in, and Stacey's cross is turned in by Joshua King! And in the space of three minutes, Bournemouth have turned this game on its head against Chelsea. King a couple last season, back on the score sheet this time round, it's Bournemouth 2, Chelsea 1.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. I'm sort of giggling because I'm watching one of the YouTube videos that was recorded after the game. And for one of the videos, Jeff Hayward, who is standing by, uh, was holding the camera and... uh, Honestly, more shakes than a bloody McDonald's drive-thru. It was freezing, and Chef looked as though he was going into mild hypothermia. Alas, he's recovered, he's warmed up. Maybe not from the result. I mean, taking a point against Chelsea, not bad. We started off two points from safety and somehow ended up in the relegation zone, but you've got to credit Watford um, 3-0 over Liverpool. Is that going to cause a reaction ahead of our trip to them next weekend? Oh, it might do. Jeff and I will be previewing it. We'll be dissecting Chelsea as well. My name's Sam Davis, by the way, if I haven't said. And also we're going to be giving a reminder about an event at uh, the Village Hotel in April. Cherry's Legends Live. A reminder about that because there's not many tickets left and it's going to be uh, a really great night. So all that is coming up. ...on this week's Back of the Net. But first... Do you remember? Do you remember? Yep, so still don't really know how I feel. Is it two points dropped or a point gained? Jury's still out in my mind. I think the Watford result has made it a little bit harder to take, I suppose. But alas, the match itself pretty interesting lots to talk about and one of the minutiae one of the small things that i noticed in the game was uh, frano pulling up his socks like he was going to come on but then it didn't happen and um moments after that aaron ramsdale this was on about the 85th minute or something he was injured and then arta borish was warming up and i was thinking oh my god if if frano had come on would it be a situation where one of the AFC Bournemouth players would need to go in goal? Um, thankfully, we didn't make that for an sub but to be honest, maybe we should have in the grand scheme of things. He might have been the player to bring on rather than, well, Gosling or Stanislas or whatever. We'll talk more about that. But when was the last time an AFC Bournemouth outfield player went in goal in a competitive match for AFC Bournemouth? Can you remember... It's usually down to a sending off or you know, an injury, so it's a forced change. But the last time that happened, when was it? An outfield player going in goal for AFC Bournemouth. If you can name the player, kudos to you if you can name the scoreline and the team we played as well, that would be brilliant. The answer is coming up at the end of the show. So coming up we've got some of your fan thoughts that have been submitted over the weekend but first the views from Owen Hardgreaves and Michael Owen on yesterday's 2 0 draw. Do you remember? Do
3: you remember? They went behind they then led Chelsea 2-1. And got pegged back. They took what they thought was a point, and then because of Watford's third goal, they finished the day in the bottom three. Yeah, but you know, I think that the point is is huge. And, and Eddie, Eddie said that after the game. You know, it's it, it is a big point for them. Um, obviously, they've, there's games been games this season where they've completely crumbled and completely folded, and they look like a team they're going to go down. To you know, to to fight back and then to be two one ahead. And they, to be fair, they were under a tonne of pressure, by the way. They were camped in at times, and Chelsea dominated the game. So get a point out of the game. Still, I think they've got 27 points with 10 left. They're in a good position. They control their own destiny. I think that's all you can ask for right now. And I think Eddie's doing a good job of responding in, a, in this adversity. He's never really been here before, and I think he's doing a good job of, of finding the solutions. So. we just looked at Watford's up-and-coming fixtures. When you look at Bournemouth, are they perhaps a little more challenging in the situation they're in? Well, it's probably not the
1: right time to be playing Liverpool after <laughs> losing their first first game, and that's coming up next. And, of course, again, you've got the likes of Wolves, Manchester United, Tottenham, Man City, probably those games that you're not expecting much out of. But, again, it's, it's a pretty standard running, I would have said. It's quite fair in that they've got a few... Tough games, but they've got winnable games in there as well. So I'm not looking at that and thinking, wow, you're going down because it's too tricky. You know, there's there's opportunity there. As it is, I do think it's going to be a struggle for them. Um, but, again, there's teams down there with with harder run-ins than that.
3: Hi, Jeff uh Desmond 2-2 against Chelsea this afternoon uh just left in court uh i suppose slightly disappointed with a with the 2-2 um although we can't really begrudge Chelsea the late equalizer uh going back to the start line-ups i suppose the surprise was lewis cook uh coming in for us um and we started well started well two great chances should have taken one of them Particularly the first one, I thought. Um, great chances. Chelsea really then took over first half. Absolutely strolling it to half-time. To half um, playing really well. Um, we came out so much different in the second half. Lots more upbeat, um, pressing, r- chasing everything down. Wilson, Fraser uh, did well. In that aspect, uh, two goals, uh, no VAR, which was a blessing. Um, Chelsea obviously got the late equaliser, as I say. Can't really, can't really say they didn't deserve it, but uh, yeah, we'll take a point. Um, man of the match, a Jefferson absolute monster. um I'd like to mention Aaron, the goalkeeper, as usual. Did very well. Very unlucky on the second goal. And um, the guy I'd like to just mention is uh, Jack Stacey. With all the shenanigans and whatever went on at Burnley last week, people forget how well he played there. Um, also, I thought he played well again this afternoon. So, good news that for a, for a young player. All the best. We're on to uh, Liverpool next week. I will be there, God willing. Uh, early kickoff so early start I'll be there amongst our another 900 or so Cherries fans so if you're going I'll see you there up the Cherries cheers
4: Hi Sam Kirk here from the North Stand uh, prior to kick off I was hoping to take a point from today the team lineup um, I was pretty happy with I probably would have played Rico at left back um, and it was a bit of a shock to see Lewis Cook come into the team but I was also happy for him Um, before the game started I was hoping we were going to be really effective and attacking and we were going to go on the front foot and take the game to a deflated Chelsea team Um, and it was good to see that we did that for the first 20 minutes and probably should have been 1-0 up from a billing shot um, my fear before the game was that Chelsea would stay in the game They would grow in confidence And, and change the pa- the actual uh, pace of the game And they did that after 20 minutes They got on the ball more They dominated with the ball uh, They dominated the pace they wanted it played at And then they took the 1-0 the, uh, lead And were being really effective down the Smith side um, We went in at half-time really lethargic um, I actually thought at half-time that we should have changed it at that point. I would have brought Rico on again because I think we need that natural left footer on that side. Um, nothing was changed. And we came out the first five or so minutes the same as we went in at half-time. And we pretty fortunate to not probably go 2-0 down at that stage. Then just a hopeless ball down to Josh King on the wing. Gets us a corner, which then leads to another corner. And Jefferson Lerman scores a brilliant header. It reminded me of the game against Brighton where that goal then led to us being a team possessed. And we uh, ended up, our aggression, our pace, we, uh, massively upped by 100%. And we then scored a second goal not long after. How the last 20 minutes played out was exactly how it has done many times under Eddie Howe at 2-1. We dropped really deep. Um, We were trying to ride a storm. And as we've seen many, many, many times, we are not a great team in trying to hold on to 2-1s. And although I do feel sorry for Rambo because he nearly pulled off an absolute brilliant uh, double save. um, They obviously got the equaliser. But we got the point that I think we needed as a minimum. We go to Liverpool next week with nothing to lose. And I think we only need nine more points from here because I have this deep feeling that 36 points is going to keep you up this season. Frustrated, proud, positive. But it is a point and it is a point towards survival. Up the cherries.
2: Hi, Ashley here from the main stand. Um, I thought the first 10 minutes yesterday were absolutely brilliant. Uh, That said, we butchered three really good chances. Billing was wasteful, uh, and Callum demonstrated again that he needs three touches to score a goal. Uh, Once Chelsea started to get into the game, I thought we stopped pressing. and We've been having this problem all season, we just got deeper and deeper. The whole stadium could see what was coming, and sure enough, uh, we conceded a goal. Uh, What bothers me is that um, Eddie recognised this in his interview after the game. I'm not sure why he couldn't do something about it during the game. Watching him in the touchline in the first half, there was no evidence of him urging the players further up the pitch. We got more aggressive at the start of the second half and our two goals were were really well deserved. Um, But after we we scored the second, we went back to conceding them space and allowing them to play. And surprise, surprise, uh, their equaliser arrived and it felt inevitable. Overall, I thought uh, Stacey had an excellent game, along with Ake, Rambo and obviously Lerma. Uh, Lewis Cook grew into the game, and he certainly played better than he did on his most recent starts, which is encouraging. In summary, I think despite the other results not going our way, we should be pleased with getting a point against what I thought was a very good Chelsea side. As I've said before, we're actually playing some good football and creating chances, and uh, we're also becoming a handful at home. I'd like to think for those reasons we will stay up. Thanks very much.
1: So it finished all square at the weekend and Jeff he's with me once again and the big question is Jeff ha- have you warmed up yet?
5: Yeah it was a bit chilly yesterday wasn't it. Uh it was it, oh. it was freezing. It was
1: absolutely <laughs> freezing and you know what it, the match was as topsy turvy as the weather conditions itself. Yeah, we had sun, rain, uh well that biting wind, hail but it finished on the pitch at least with a bit, with a little bit of calm. Uh to all some fans reeling, other fans happy with a point. What, what was your personal take?
5: I think overall a draw was probably a fair result. Um Chelsea outplayed us for large parts of that game. We were good at the start of the first half and good at the start of the second half. But, um, yeah, I, I I felt hanging on at 2-1 in the 85th minute, you think, we might just do it. We might just do it. And that mm-hmm. would have been an amazing result. Um, but if you were uh, watching the game and see the whole 90 minutes, you'll think, yeah, yeah. you know, we were hanging on. And... Um, eventually one of those near misses was going to going to be too good for us. So it proved.
1: Yeah, that's right. I've got a WhatsApp group with um, Paul Kenwood and Tony, who, of course, you've seen on the YouTube channel. And Paul said that he watched the whole game back. And he said on, on reflection, yeah, two all was a good point. When you look at how much possession they had, 72%, I think they had. Um, but... Yeah, I still felt really nervous during the game and I felt disappointed after 90 minutes or after 95 minutes or whatever. And I felt that, that this nervousness that I felt was exactly the same. I haven't felt nervousness during a game for a long time. I think The last time was during at home. I think it's because I was sat in the main stand for this game. So I remembered back to a home match against QPR, who Harry Redknapp was in charge of at the time. and I think we were winning 2-1 or one nil and we managed to hang on, but oh I I was having kittens and the feeling that I had and it was almost like it was gonna happen and then it did happen. Um and there were many reasons for that which of course we'll discuss. But Team News came out at two o'clock and Lewis Cook was chucked in there, which is a surprise to many.
5: Very much a surprise, Sam. I think um we've all expected Lewis to be playing more often this season than he has. Um hasn't had many starts last few weeks, certainly Um, there's been calls for him to be in and he was picked ahead of Gosling this time Um, so that was interesting to see the other surprises or maybe not surprises Cook in for Frano Ake back at Mm -hmm. the centre half position which was great Um, he's obviously decided that uh, Adam Smith at left back is the way to go Mm -hmm. with Jack Stacey cementing his position as first choice right back and then he played King and Fraser, that sort of 4-5-1 set up with Fraser playing on the right, uh, King on the, um, sorry, Fraser, yeah, Fraser playing on the right, King on the left, which we know Ryan doesn't like playing on the right, but that's the position he was given, so, yeah, you know, a little bit of a surprise, uh, Chelsea... Coming off the back of a 3-0 hammering against Bayern Munich without Tammy Abraham playing Giroud up front, you felt that that was probably a team that we could have a go at. Um, they were playing three three centre-halves uh, and wing-backs. So, um, yeah, we, we we looked like we were a team that could cause them some problems going forwards.
1: Yeah, do you think the lack of Harry Wilson was maybe perhaps a side effect of the fact that there's a derby connection there with Frank Lampard and and maybe a bit of preparation for next week against Liverpool, perhaps in playing without him.
5: Yeah, I think um, Harry Wilson obviously can't play next week, so uh, there was that, and maybe maybe he just felt that King gives us a bit more uh, of a physical presence. I think that's probably what he liked. So. Yeah, you know that that was interesting, and um, yeah, you know I was looking forward to it actually. Really yeah. looking forward to the game. I must admit, I I
1: was looking at this like lead table as I referenced on previous podcasts about the amount of points we've taken off the top six clubs, and we're up there in the kind of other fourteen table. You know, we are quite high, so I was feeling relatively optimistic about it, um, and our form is hasn't been too bad really Um, and you know we did start off really well but there's another couple of things I just want to say before we actually tackle the game itself I noticed that a lot of people online have been saying that there was a new PA system at Dean Court and it it certainly seemed louder where I was in the main stand you heard sort of Kanye's power being played quite loud but it's quite interesting Fletch who was warming up with the substitutes was actually telling Mike and Zoe um, to like you know to turn up the volume during like a number of the songs and he was saying come on let's raise it because you know the team the squad sort of needed to be um have the sort of energy flowing through them and certain tracks they were playing obviously you know gave them that little bit of momentum and frano was also getting very frustrated because the music kept on cutting out like every so often before kickoff as well and he was getting really annoyed so i take it there are teething problems with that system maybe you know mike botto might know more about that but you know, Either way, the team did seem motivated because the first 10-15 minutes, I thought, well, the first 10-15 minutes of both halves, I thought we were excellent. And, uh, you know, Chelsea didn't seem to touch the ball much in our half. I thought we dominated.
5: Yeah, that first 10-15 minutes, I think they had a hangover from their European game. It was obviously taking a while to get that out of their system and they weren't really sure exactly what they were doing. We were on the front foot. I thought uh, Billing was excellent in that first 10-15 minutes and Lerma winning the ball. And we were getting down the sides of them really well. Uh, There was a a fantastic uh, through ball that uh, Fraser played to Stacey, overlapping, pulled it back and Billing really should have scored. Um, Keeper makes a a decent save, but either side of him, that that goes in. And then uh, followed that up by uh, billing Robs Tamori in the box. He was a little bit undercooked. He hasn't played much this season. And uh, yeah, um, decides to shoot rather than square it. Bad call because he seems to hit it in the only part of the goal where it's never going to cause any problems, which was near post and it hits the side netting. So really disappointing.
1: That was really frustrated. And sometimes I feel like um, we psychologically peak at those moments and we're playing on the front foot, getting those chances in. And it's almost like there's a sort of a wave of disappointment that runs through the side because uh, they're aware... Obviously, from previous games, that if you're not clinical, then you know you're likely to get punished, and we have been in previous games. And whilst we maybe didn't get punished straight away, Chelsea did, you know, grasp the nettle somewhat, and they took control of the game, playing through the midfield. I thought there were there were a number of standout players for them. Um, Alonzo, obviously, you know, who scored both their goals, but we just seemed to sit back, and we didn't really tend to go up the pitch much it was it was obviously that kind of counter-attacking game where you can soak up the pressure and then hit teams on the break but it's all very well doing that but Chelsea are a quality side they're very difficult to break down and when they've got you know 10 decent outfield players um, that are attacking they're gonna they're gonna make inroads and eventually they did.
5: I thought what was really interesting was the way they played out from the back. You know, they, they beat our press which wasn't quite as organized or well drilled as it as perhaps it should have been. Number of times um Kristensen and Aspalaquetto in particular would play the ball between themselves, get the ball wide to uh Reese James, who then had an option with Jorginho in the middle, and their attack started from there, you know, and that seemed to happen. Those little triangles that they were playing out from the back seemed to happen More and more in that first half, and I'm not sure whether it was Lewis Cook feeling slightly sort of out of it in the middle of the park, Um, but there wasn't that sort of sense of communication, and in fact, um, they started to dominate, Jorginho in particular, I was really impressed with, you know, got on the ball a lot, and was just, you know, really... Really positive in linking the play. Um, Rhys James as well down the right-hand side was getting lots of space. And Pedro, I thought, was, uh, was looking sharp too. So they began to cause us significant issues stretching our, stretching our wingers, stretching our midfield. And yeah, it became problematic as the half went on. How does that happen? How does it change from,
1: say, you know, a period on five minutes where we we had this high press and you know we managed to recycle the ball and then push them? We had those chances as you as you alluded to. How does it change so drastically? It yeah. is absolutely bizarre.
5: Yeah, I think I think like I said, I think they took a while to get their game from Tuesday night out of their system, and clearly they were rusty and a bit off the pace. They had a couple of players who were new into that team um but I felt that they they just started moving the the ball with a bit more purpose I thought Jorginho was really the key just started finding space in midfield linking the play playing nice little uh give and goes yeah and Mason forward Mount, passes as
1: well for you know you know the centre midfield is like passing to the strikes like you know playing through the line almost like Andrew Sermon did to Callum um at Burnley you know albeit that you know that wasn't a goal that was allowed and Andrew Sermon playing a forward pass for once wow but yeah that's the kind of thing that they were doing and I think when you've got players that are talented enough to hold it up and you know give and go you make runs um we were always going to get punished and then we did that low wicked cross came in well you know lowish but Giroud you know did well to get a shot on target there yeah He, he came off the bar and alas, it fell to Alonso, who right, I mean, great left foot into the roof of the net and 1 uh, 0. And I, I don't know about you, but I was utterly deflated at that point.
5: Well, I th- I, th- I thought what was clear as the half went on was we just weren't closing them down enough on those flanks. So um, you look at Adam Smith, he's not close enough to Reese James to stop that cross going in in the first place. Lewis Cook is out of position. They were being dragged inside a lot of the time, which was leaving space for those uh, wing-backs to get forward. And it it hurt us. I thought um, Ake nearly cleared that with a head, uh, mm. threw himself in there in front of Giroud's foot. But, yeah, you know, it had been coming. And I think at that point, um, they probably deserved to be ahead because we'd gone right off the boil. I, d- I don't think we really had too much after that first 15 minutes that actually looked to to cause them any issues.
1: No, they were peppering in some chances. There there was that uh, shot from Mason Mount from distance that looked like it was going wide, but it bounced awkwardly in front of Ramsdale. We managed to get something on it. Um, There was also another uh, incident where Steve Cook cleared, just as it was likely to uh, find a Chelsea man at the far post who was going to slot it in. He did well to clear it. And it all felt a bit, um, you know, last-ditch, defending but unlike the first 15 minutes when we did go forward I mean there was a great run I think this is on the YouTube vlog actually where Philip Billing picks it up and he's just running down blind alleys. he's running down a cul-de-sac and there's no one there to help him Um, it was it's it was hard to watch. Um, so yeah. when their goal did come, uh, it, it wasn't exactly unexpected. That you kind of look back at those early opportunities that we had through, especially Philip Billing, and think, "Oh my goodness, if we just had taken one of those." So half time then. 1-0 um, and it it would have been easy for AFC Bournemouth to come out and play exactly the same way as they finished the first half but you know whatever Eddie said in the change room it worked because they were like a different side and I've got to give credit to a um, friend of the show Jack Stacey I thought he was uh, he was phenomenal now I've got to tell you a story about Jack um I was uh, had a few beers after the game yesterday. I was in Ashley Cross. Played a bit of snooker actually. I have not played in ages. I I think I got a break of about 17 at one point which I was quite uh, <laughs> proud of. But then um I went for the blue and then you know the white went in the pocket. So uh, I you know I didn't win either frame that we played. Uh, it was myself and a friend called Dan and then we went into uh, a certain establishment in Ashley Cross uh and I saw Jack Stacey I won't name the establishment but it was 30 pound a dance <laughs> no, no it wasn't it was it wasn't that kind of place don't worry it was actually um Chicken and Blues uh in Ashley Cross and uh, saw him in there and had a quick word with him got a bit of a sound bite and a uh, a photo i asked him a few questions actually and uh he's you know really nice to talk to and i i complimented him on his performance the way that he was getting forward i thought was exceptional he was timing his runs really well his delivery into the box was was great obviously he created that philip billing chance and um like you said earlier i think he's made that right back position his own but it was him that was part of um one of the moves that put us two one up but before that we got the equaliser, Jefferson Lerma, and it was a corner that Fraser whipped in. And uh, the big Colombian, he got his head on it. I think that's his first goal at Dean Court in a competitive fixture, I think, is it?
5: Um, I agree. Really, really good header as well. Delighted to uh, uh, to see it. And the, it's fantastic to watch it because there's a fan that goes absolutely berserk if you watch that back on the highlights. Oh, yeah, the one in green in the North Stand. <laughs> Who is that man? Who is that I... man? Call in and tell us because... It was he, very, very entertaining to watch. He, he's like that crazed ex-partner in the nightclub that,
1: you know, <laughs> vies for your attention all night and you're, you're just not interested, not looking. And he was trying to flag Lerma down. But, he yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And I love the celebration photos that come out. Uh, Lerma was posting them on his Instagram. And I always am amazed, Jeff, when you see those photos of players like celebrating, when you look at it, it looks like they're jumping so high. It's like, surely sure he's going for some kind yeah. of high jump record. But, yeah, Something. great header
5: photoshop surely but yeah no i thought it was terrific header and, and, it, and in fact just before that one i think eddie eddie's uh, on the record is saying you know he told the players to press higher be more aggressive get more front football mm. um and albeit just before we score they equaliser, jerome misses a sitter oh yeah that's right uh where he doesn't connect thankfully and then um it was Lewis Cook that changed it. You know, you get those sort of momentum changes in the game where you think suddenly it's happening for yeah, us. Yeah, that's he, right. He, there, were, there, he there were two moments. Really, yeah, and it, Lewis Cook wins the ball, plays a really peachy pass, volleyed pass, into okay, Josh well. King's path, which Christensen chases back and puts out for a corner. That was the first corner. Yeah. Um that gets cleared and then Lewis Cook puts in the ball that uh, Billings at the back post gets clipped away by Tomori, I think it is, to then go for the other corner. And it was from that corner that Ryan Fraser sticks it in and Lerma free header, brilliant, mm. brilliant goal. Um, but then again, the second goal is Lewis Cook. Again, mm. he nutmegs Jorginho on the halfway line, which is delightful to watch. And then pings the ball out to Stacey. Yeah. I think it, it gets to Billing on the half turn. Turns really sweetly. Plays the reverse pass to Stacey. Ball across. Callum does one of his Callum. Not quite getting there. Misses it completely. Oh, <laughs> and it passes yeah, yeah. through to, to Josh King who sticks it in. And, and you know, I, I don't know about you, but I went mental at that yeah. time. Um, I, I really great. did. And
1: so- I mean, I could see the goal was coming, and I—I I don't know what most main standers do, but when I saw that ball coming across, I—I I knew. That Josh King was gonna be on the end of it. So I stood up beforehand and so sort i of bless some some kind of lady behind me. She was like in her 70s. She said, I didn't see the goal because you stood up. It's like, oh look, I'm really sorry. But I mean, I'm here to enjoy the moment and I could see the goal was coming. I'm so sorry. Um, but here, you watch it on my phone if you want. No, I didn't say that, I didn't, I didn't actually record it. But um, yeah, it was it was such a good moment. There was a, a mini pause, wasn't there, whilst VAR confirmed. But as far as I was concerned, I mean I could I could sort of see that he was level with Stacey, you know, even the lines on the pitch. So I wasn't overly concerned, but there is that audible lull, isn't there? You're celebrating all mm. of a sudden you can see the referee doing something. It's not on the scoreboard yet. Mike Botto's not said his thing, but you know there's something going on and then there's this hush. Uh, but then you get the second wave when the goal was announced. And uh, at 2-1, I was delighted. And as I, as I said, you know, Jack Stacey, I thought um, was superb for that goal. Lewis Cook, a couple of individual moments of genius. First, as you said, that, that volleyed pass with the outside of his right foot. And then it was that cheeky nutmeg on the halfway line that set us on the move. Uh, it was nice to see players um, having the confidence to get forward and do those things. It's, Lewis Cook's a, a bit of an enigma because it, it's like he's been out of favour. But he just needs a run of, of games, surely, because he's better than Sermon he's better than than you know Dan Gosling um yeah. technically uh you just wonder sometimes why he isn't as involved as you should be
5: yeah he played him in quite a um quite a forward advanced position yesterday i think um that was interesting more the the kind of gosling role um that, that gosling hasn't really been doing the last couple of games i don't think so Um, I was pleased for him, pleased for him to get a run out, pleased that he made a contribution, you know, it wasn't that present in the first half, I didn't think, but second half, those moments really Mm. made a difference and I think that helped the confidence of the team, you know, after that, when we got our noses in front, the players believed and that was great to see, they all stepped up their performance for that last sort of 35 minutes. Just it seems, it seems to be that Philip...
1: Yeah, Philip Billing, it seems, as has almost taken the mantle to be that box-to-box midfielder because he's getting um, in great defensive positions to clear it. Um, obviously, he had those early chances. He, he was moving forward. He was breaking forward quite a bit. Um, he did have his moments during the game yesterday, as, as a number of players did. But I think, you know, collectively, it was an issue with the way we dealt with things after going 2-1 up I mean we had a great chance to make it 3 mm. uh, when Callum had that sort of shot on the turn that the keeper saved and yeah. you know, anywhere else again I mean that would have been fantastic had that gone mm. in but it didn't um, and then Chelsea did exactly the same as they did in the first half they started pressing um, they were you know technically better on the ball when we were winning the ball we were just pumping it out um, it wasn't great and you know they did score eventually but before that I mean Ramsdale was keeping us in the game wasn't
5: he yeah he made some decent saves uh one in particular that was deflected just in front of him which Ooh. he made a fine save and i thought jack stacy actually cleared one from the middle of the six yard box where he i don't know how he got it over the bar yeah but he was only he was only a couple of yards out and sort of smashed it high and wide over which was a terrific uh, clearance um and there were a number of last minute sort of saving tackles saving blocks going in there was one that hit Ake and yeah. deflected inches wide of the post oh my goodness
1: yeah just saying that I thought for a minute mm.
5: and and, and- Yeah. What do you
1: think about the substitutions? Because Josh King was taken off much to. I was in the main stand, so I got a good view, and he had a chat with Eddie, um, who had to put his arm around him and just explain why he substituted him. Um, I thought he was okay yesterday. He's he's obviously a really good outlet to have for someone who's pacey. You can sometimes hold the ball he he does better at holding the ball up in the opposition half than his own because back in his own half sometimes he tries to do these stupid flicks that gives away possession and there are a couple of times yesterday where he tried to do these little flicks to get it away when he was you know deep in our own half and he just awarded possession to Chelsea who who nearly went through and scored but he was taken off junior Stanislas came on after 68 minutes weird one
5: yeah um I... <laughs> I thought Josh King played really well and he'd only just scored Um, Mm. so arguably could have kept him on for another 10 or 15 minutes because um, he was important in putting pressure on their back four Uh, maybe not offering as as much defensively and they did bring Willian on as well which kind of overloaded that side so maybe he was looking for a bit more defensive solidity Um, in fact... I thought that's where a lot of the Chelsea attacks seemed to be coming from. Rhys James had a hell of a lot of the ball mm. in the entire game, actually. Um, he's a good crosser. And and they were getting uh, space down that side. So maybe it was to be more defensive. I don't know. Um, Lewis Cook didn't last the game. He, he, he was cramping up visibly. So that was understandable that he went off as well. No, Dan Gosling, um, wasn't it? That came on for Lewis yeah, Cook. Yeah, Gosling came on is. for him. But you just felt, yeah, you just felt it was coming, Chelsea were getting a lot of space, like I say, down our flanks, and I don't think we were doing as well as we could have done to actually stop the crosses going in in the first place, so it, mm. it it was kind of inevitable, mm. um that said, you watch their goal again, and you think. Ah, uh, Pedro. Nobody picks him up yeah. when he turns and shoots. Um, I mean, we he could picked have up done the... better there.
1: Yeah, the ball was played forward to him, and the fact that he had time to turn his body and get that shot on goal. I mean, Ramsdale did incredible with the first save and nearly saved Alonso's follow-up, but unfortunately, finger-tipped it into the side of the netting, and uh, Chelsea went away to all. And you could tell the intent because Alonso was grabbing the ball, and they were all running back to their own half. They wanted to win that game.
5: Yeah, they wanted to win that, and Alonso should have had his hat trick as he missed a header uh, with about a minute to go. That pff, mm. you know was easier <laughs> than his second mm. goal, I think. And in fact, that second goal, the one person I would pick out for a bit of criticism was Fraser because he was on his haunches a bit and he yeah. wasn't aware that Alonso was behind him. It seemed waiting for the ball, and if he if he makes more of a direct effort to get in front of Alonso, it's not such an easy header um so yeah we could have lost it 3-2 in the end and that mm. would have been heartbreak for us so to come out with a point i, I was feeling yeah disappointed but actually chelsea balance a play 24 shots against our nine they could have won that quite easily actually yeah. if they had been better finishers
1: we we could have had three points uh We got one point. Thankfully, it wasn't pointless. One thing that was pointless and is pointless, I don't know if you see this, Jeff, but in the north stand, um, obviously, you've got your kind of singing block, which is, uh, well, I mean, most of the north stand sing, but that side just next to the east stand and um, everyone's on their feet in that area. And there's a steward that goes up twice or three times in a match telling everyone to sit down no one takes notice whatsoever and he just go. it's so pointless he's doing this week after week uh, obviously they don't do it to the away fans um, it just seems a bit bizarre and I'd love an explanation on why they think it's worth the time going up there telling people to sit down and mm. um, you know they don't and it happens week after week. It's just a repetitive cycle. But um, those fans, along with many, made some great noise yesterday. I thought the atmosphere was, was, you know, really good. Obviously, there was that natural deflation at 1-0. But before that, I thought it was rocking. And then at 2-1, Jeff. I mean, what were your thoughts on the atmosphere?
5: Yeah, it was a fantastic atmosphere. I think we we were all heading every ball, making every clearance. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, talk about a siege mentality. The fans had it yesterday in spades. So... Mm really really good to see that energy there for the players and I think the players at the end of the game I mean they all sank to their knees they were Mm. absolutely shattered and probably felt that oh if only we'd have held on for another five minutes what an important win that would have been
1: but that's what we want to see isn't it that's what we want to see players fall into their knees you know knowing that they've given everything um it's interesting to read some of the five-word match reports after yesterday because I was still I was bitterly disappointed and that that disappointment was compounded by a certain result later in the evening, which we'll talk mm. about shortly. Um, but some of your five-word match reports. Steve Butler, close to beating the Blues. Uh, Tommy Heffernis-Poodle, better when pressing with energy. Louis, a decent performance, 10 cup finals. Why Stanislas over Harry Wilson, said Michael. Um, yeah, like we said, maybe it's that Frank Lampard connection. Maybe it's Liverpool next week preparing. Matthew said, Fraser in no man's landed as you just said, for Alonso's header to make it two all. Lewis Cook needs game time, said Tim Spencer. Mm. Frano should have come on, um, said Matthew. And, uh, you know, as, as I alluded to earlier in the show, uh, on the podcast, it looked like he was pulling his kind of socks up for a bit, as if he, he was going to get picked, but then he wasn't. Um, but... You know, he opted um, to then make the substitution with, you know, Dan Gosling came on, etc. And thankfully he didn't, because Ramsdale looked as though he was injured. And, you know, if he had been subbed off, then it had been, uh, let's stick a player in goal. And no one would have wanted that. Um, Jew said, don't sit back, just attack. And uh, Michael again said, went downhill without King on. So, yeah, a lot of five-word summations there. Um, But, you know what? Uh, 5.30... Watford play Liverpool. Everyone's thinking, "Well, Liverpool are probably going to turn them over." What the hell happened at Vicarage Road, Jeff?
5: Mm. I listened to that game on the way home, and um, my God, yeah, uh, uh, Liverpool. Liverpool were not that great against West Ham. You did say I did call it. I did call (laughs) it in my interview afterwards that they've got to lose some time. I didn't think it was going to be thirty minutes after I spoke to you. <laughs> ideally, it would have,
1: ideally that would have happened next week. They're gonna they're gonna be insistent now on. I mean, they're gonna be playing with a lot more aggression and intensity than they ever would have. Perhaps Boy, I mean they've got Atletico s- coming up.
5: Say that though they've got so they've got Chelsea in the FA Cup. I think that's Tuesday night. Mm. Uh, that's away. Interesting to see what side he puts out for that. Then us on the Saturday and then Atletico, I think, is on the following Tuesday or the Wednesday, maybe. Um, and that's the massive game, you suspect. So mm. what is he going to do? Is he going to risk playing a full-strength side on that Saturday, knowing that they've got to beat Atletico Madrid 2-0? Mm. Um, Henderson was a big miss for them yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is is kind of an unofficial preview of uh, the Liverpool game already, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, But I saw um, Watford really take Liverpool apart in a way that they did at Anfield, to be fair. You know, they got a lot of chances when they played under Pearson in his first game. And what they do very well, Watford, they're very physical. They don't allow the opposition a lot of time on the ball when they're up for it. And Sars... Is a good player. I saw somebody hmm. saying that Liverpool were worried about coronavirus; they should have been worried about SARS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like quite, it. you know, is um, they were off the pace, and I, I think Henderson is a big miss for Liverpool. So, yeah. when we go up there, we will be on an unbeaten run that's longer than Liverpool's yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah,
1: that's true. Um oh, I'm, I'm loving these stats, and uh, it looks like uh, you. It looks like you're sort of. I mean, it's a. I don't want to use this word free hit. I mean, we'll talk yeah. about this in the in the actual Liverpool preview. But um, it, how are you feeling after the weekend's results as a whole? Because obviously, all of the bottom three won. We didn't, and now we are. We were two points from safety, and now we're in that in that bottom three. And with a with the hardest match of the season ahead, I mean, I can't help but feel negative. But I, I just want to get certain matches gone out the way. One of them is obviously, you know, the one coming up against Liverpool. You've got like Man City, Man Mm. United. I'm struggling to be optimistic. And I look at the other matches thinking, well, there are other ones like Southampton are probably going to be up for relegating us as well. And they've probably got the mental capacity to do it. We didn't at their place a couple of seasons ago. But I don't know. I, I have these kind of peaks and troughs with regards to how I feel. And I just want the next match to happen now.
5: Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was disappointing that West Ham beat Southampton. They did us no favours. And disappointing that Watford beat Liverpool. A shock result. I agree. However, however, there was uh, a moment before we played Brighton. And I said at that time that we needed to get six wins and two draws. We've currently got two wins and a draw. So we need four wins and a draw from our remaining Ten games, so yeah. we've got to get we've got to get results from half of those fixtures, right? The big game is not Liverpool; that is a free hit. The big game is the one after that, Palace yeah. at home, and and that is the one you think we have got to win that game. Um, the way we we're playing, also...
1: the way we're playing, I think. Some brilliant football at times and they they aren't technically as good as Chelsea. Chelsea are a a solid side and they were good yesterday. Um, Brighton, they desperately need the points and they didn't turn up at home against Crystal Palace. I think, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe we've just got the better players than teams like Brighton and maybe that's just going to... You know, the technical nature of our players. I mean, when you've got, uh, you know, Jefferson Lerma on form... Fraser on form, Josh King on form, Um, and you know, like even our fullbacks like Jack Stacey, I thought was brilliant yesterday. When it all comes together, we can give any single team a run for their money, and we're looking at certain matches like okay, like you know, Everton away or Southampton at home, Newcastle at home, Leicester at home. Thinking okay, that's surely got to be where the points are won, but why not Man United away? Why not get a point at Liverpool? Why not get yeah. a point at Man City? Because we've got players yeah. good enough to achieve that.
5: Yeah, and and the way that we are playing as well, I mean, aside from the points we've already got, I think the last five games, we've played some decent stuff. Yeah, We are not playing in the abject way we were around Christmas time. We're playing with positivity. That's a goal that we scored from open play yesterday against Chelsea. That was really well-worked goal. So I think we've got reasons to be positive and optimistic. And I do think there are still 13 points out there for us to get. It's in our hands. Um, It would be lovely to get a big result against United or against City or Liverpool. Pick up a point in one of those three games would be a fantastic boost. But honestly, it's those home fixtures that you look at and you think, that's where we're going to win it. So, yeah, we're not playing as badly as Brighton or Newcastle at this moment in time. And that is also reasons for optimism. If Villa, Brighton, Newcastle, Watford and West Ham are all in the mix with us, I think we've got a chance to to get out of it still.
3: I'm Jack Stacey and you're listening to Back of the Net.
1: So if you haven't checked out the Back of the Net YouTube channel, I advise you do so at go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast because we'd really like to get as many subscribers as we possibly can. We've got loads of reaction from the weekend and a match day experience vlog as well where I've got a, a camera mounted to me filming my every move over the day just to give some exiled fans a bit of an experience of what it's like and i actually bumped into my parents i didn't realize they were going to the game so uh, my mum and dad make uh, their back of the net debut which is um yeah which is worth a watch but also we went to the village hotel for lunch so i went with andrew corbin who you may have seen from previous videos and uh, yeah we went to the new refurbished bar and grill i say new it's, it's been a few months now but yeah it's a really nice place to go before a game for a, for a drink a spot of food and also big screen action to watch the lunchtime kickoff they've got a huge screen and this cinema style seating at the front which is which is perfect really but i had my nicer uh, fish finger wrap and fries and uh when i was there I chatted to a number of Bournemouth fans, you can watch their reaction on the channel, but the village itself is going to be the venue for the very first Legends Live event that's run by Lashings. It's on April the 2nd and it comprises of an evening with three ex-AFC Bournemouth greats lashings if you haven't heard of them it's an organization that have got a world cricket 11 also a football 11 that tour the length and breadth of the country and internationally with big cricketing superstars like you know john embury and chris lewis to name but a few andy caddick even matt letizier's put the pads on as well and they're always entertaining matches i went to one of their events at chapel gate but they're doing a cherry special and it's so affordable at £10 a ticket. So, so good. And it's at the Village Hotel. And I caught up with Dave Fitzgerald and Scott Charlton from Lashings. If you haven't heard this, then hopefully this will give you a taster of what to expect on the night.
0: So on the night, we've got um, Luther, Luther Blissett. Yeah. Um, we've got Steve Jones, uh, so two strikers, and uh, a good friend of ours, Paul Morrell, oh, um, yeah. absolute legend of the club and, and as say... Uh, very close to us as well we wouldn't do the first event without yeah. Mozzie I don't think right. he, play, he played left back did he for Bournemouth
2: oh, was it I think, I think one so one of the
1: greatest left backs I've ever yeah. seen yeah. I, I've ever seen he was a quality quality player offered the chance to go away you might talk about it on the night yeah. but stayed at Bournemouth
2: and one of those real he, he was quality absolute quality and of course Luther I mean if you
1: have a stand yeah. named yeah. after oh, you on telly goodness. so yeah the format of the night then is um, there'll be a Q&A involved oh, yes. and uh, yeah can you tell me all about it yeah, so I mean,
0: the first half will be an individual interview with each of the players. Um, sort of, uh, sort of chat show style. We like to do like a bit like a, a Piers Morgan live story. So likely to be a bit of video footage in there as well and then just to put it in context really you know the older you get the better it was and we're going to remind everyone it was
1: better in those days (laughs) but incredibly there is some footage of those players actually playing yeah so tell me about the ticket structure
0: so yeah the ticket structure is um, £10 uh, plus the, the the small Charge of the online charge as well. That's available on Eventbrite. Yeah. Uh, so if you go on www.eventbrite.co.uk, yeah. in the search bar, type in Legends Live Cherry Special, something like that, and yeah. you'll be to get access to those tickets. Yeah. And uh, we've got in on in off the far post, uh, the uh, oh, shopping yeah. in sort of Bos- between yeah, Postlethwaite and Poscombe uh, on the main road there, quite near the club as well. You can uh, pop in there and they've got some tickets as well. So it's ten pounds to start with. Uh, for standard tickets and £35 uh, there's a limited number of those for a pre-show meet-and-greet, VIP
1: mm. meet-and-greet and it's on April the 2nd April is it, at the Village? at the Village Hotel, yes and what time does that all kick
0: off? Uh, so. The show will start about 8.15. Doors will open for VIP at 7 o'clock and uh, 7.30 for um, standard tickets. That's to get into the function room, but you've got the bar there with food available on the night as well if you want to come down a bit earlier and um, just uh, enjoy the whole evening.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be a top night and I've got to say not many tickets left. So if you're looking to get one, um, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash legends. That's afcbpodcast.com slash legends. It's on April the 2nd, and, uh, yeah, there's not many tickets left, and it's going to be such a good night. I'm going to be there doing some filming, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, hopefully we'll get some questions as well submitted through the podcast that we can actually put to the legends. It's going to be great to see Steve Jones, Luther Blissett, and, of course, Paul Morrell as well in what will be a great night. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to back of the net. So then, on Saturday, Cherries travel to Anfield in a match where no one's really expecting anything. Jeff, are you?
5: Well, you know, which team is on a poor run of form? Two defeats in a row. <laughs> and with a, you know, they've also got injury issues. Uh, the manager must be under pressure. Yeah. It's not us, it's them, isn't it?
1: I was chatting to you this morning. uh, I was chatting to Jacob um, from the WD18 Watford fans channel. Um, He is a buddy. He's actually at Bournemouth University uh, doing multimedia journalism. So it's good to chat to him. And he he said about that, that Liverpool game, like it was unbelievable. Um, But I've been watching some YouTube content and the Red Men TV that I've been on their channel before, and also the Anfield Rap as well, um, they were utterly pissed off with Liverpool's performance. And you know, watching it on Match of the Day, they they barely forged any chances at all. Did, I mean, did you see what kind of side they had out?
5: Well, they were playing the the Fab 3, weren't they? Wow. Um, and uh, it was uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Fabinho in the middle... Um, Alexander Arnold and Robertson were playing, but they Alexander Arnold. I was counted the number of times he overhit crosses, mm. which is unlike him. And he he gave away the uh, the second goal. I think was down to him messing it up. So, yeah, you know it it's it's a difficult time for Liverpool. They're going to be mm. playing Atletico Madrid after us. They know they've got a tough job on their hands to overturn that. They're going to be expecting to beat us. They
1: were they expecting to beat Watford. I mean, you know, was it complacency? Do you think? And because you know, I mean, I've, I've said when I was on the Redman TV earlier this year before the reverse fixture at the Vitality, I said that this season, um, Jurgen Klopp seems to have instilled uh this steeliness mentally, and they seem to have a never say die attitude. And there've been matches recently where they've been going close. That West Ham one, my goodness. Um, but. They managed to claw it back and win three uh, two, thanks to uh, Mo Salah, etc. Um, but they're going to be wanting to um, put the wrongs right, aren't they? And what better side to do it against than Lowly AFC Bourne within the relegation zone? It's going to be it's going to be a hell of a result, even if we get a point in it.
5: It will be. The I mean the the betting man is going to say three nil, four nil minimum. However, it is going to be interesting to see what side they pick, um, and they're still what are they twenty points clear in the mm. league still, so they're not in any danger of no. losing that title. No. Um, but,
1: uh, but you say you know, there it'd be interesting to see what side they put out. It'd be interesting to see what side we put out uh, not least Jefferson Lerma what, what would you do with him because he's obviously what a game away from a booking um, we ideally don't want him out for the subsequent match but then would we have a chance of getting anything at Liverpool without him it's a difficult mental equation for Eddie Howe to deal with uh,
5: yeah I might be inclined to rest him because I would rather he plays in the Palace game mm. And if he gets uh, if he gets booked in that, I mean, he misses two games. That's the thing. You know, we've got to we've got to think about which two games do we want him to miss? Um, And maybe the two after Palace might be the ones where he's rested. Yeah, you know, I just think when,
1: just you, tough. when you've got Liverpool's midfielders who are fast, they're dynamic, they play very quickly, it's very easy to mistime a challenge, it would be much easier to get in the book against them and then if we did lose him... For that Palace game, it, I think it, it would be catastrophic, and, and we need him for it. Uh, part of me thinks he needs to be benched at Liverpool, and you know maybe bring Dan Gosling back in, put Lewis Cook in alongside with Philip Billing. I mean, formation wise, what what would the plan be? Go four five one?
5: Yeah, he may he may even go five four one. You know, he may even mm. just bring yeah. Frano into that. True, uh, good point. Play play three centre halves and really try and hang hang on for a nil nil from the start. I just don't think we're particularly good when we play that sort of three centre halves line up. Um perhaps we need you, perhaps we just need to go Stacy uh, Rico
1: Simpson Frano Cook Aké Smith have <laughs> everyone played. back there you know bring Chris Meppen back even if you, you know why not.
5: What sort of what's that that's a, an 8 uh, 802 is <laughs> Yeah there?
1: like an 811 one or something
5: I don't know. Yeah. Uh <laughs>
1: it's yeah. it's horrible and it's going to be it's going to be very difficult to deal with but as you say they've the premier league is won despite that loss to Watford you know it's won the champions league is not and that's a massive massive game for them i've got a feeling we might see the likes of you know devock he may be yeah. playing um perhaps even adam lalana um players like that oxley chamberlain i mean obviously these are you know these are all quality players um but you'll always have you know, whichever Liverpool side you're up against, there's always going to be quality there. But um, we've thought this before against them, though, where, you know, Liverpool have come down. and We thought, oh, you know, maybe they'll be looking ahead to their Champions League match or whatever more important match they've got in the forthcoming future. And then they go out and put a world either side. So slightly nervous about
5: mm. what's well, going I Well, I would also add to that that one of the reasons that Liverpool are having a bit of a dip now is because... From a rotation perspective, Klopp does not rotate that team Hmm. often enough. So they are getting tired. Hmm. They're getting tired, key injuries, and that's having an effect on them. The fact that they didn't create a single chance against Atletico Madrid and and barely Hmm. anything against Watford, I think speaks volumes for the fact that they're, they're running a bit on empty. So maybe he does need to rotate it a bit and that might... Serve us better. Who knows?
1: Did, did you watch the West Ham match when they played at Anfield? Because no, you know, no one was expecting West Ham to to you know pick up anything. But yeah, they you know they were flagging Liverpool, and you know West Ham. Uh, Liverpool took the lead. West Ham equalized. West Ham then went ahead. Um, and then really, when you look at it, you, they're actually quite unlucky. I thought they played really nice expansive football. They managed to get the ball between the lines quite a lot. Uh, Liverpool just weren't as aggressive as they usually are, and they are a team that can be got at so you know maybe these performances Eddie Howe's going to be reviewing the tapes and it's going to be you know picking spots where he thinks that we could perhaps you know make some inroads oh, I'm actually quite excited about it
5: well I never thought I'd say these words but tactical genius David Moyes what he did was he got the uh, West Ham wingers to track uh, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold pretty much all night and made it really difficult for them to to do the damage they normally do so maybe maybe eddie will do a similar thing although i'm not sure we've quite got the the same energy levels and our Mm. our sort of wingers but you know obviously harry wilson won't play either we should point that out so yeah
1: that's gonna make team selection a little bit i say easier for eddie but um obviously there's always that kind of okay king fraser wilson who's gonna fit in uh okay dare i ask dare i ask uh, let's do head versus heart predictions jeff for this one
5: well, Head says we'll probably end up on the wrong end of a 3 or 4 nil. Mm. However, I had a dream last night, and it gets to the 80th minute. Ramsdale's pulled off some blinding saves from the 3 or 4 chances that we have managed to create all game. And then we get a free kick. Uh, Adam Smith falls over and gets one of those, you know, know what yeah. I'm saying. And um, mm. ball goes in. And it gets flicked on by Ake and at the back post is Josh King to sweep it in and we win 1-0.
1: Adam Smith falling over. Never, never. Um, I'm going to go for a 2 0 Liverpool. Um, but if I'm feeling you know, optimistic on Bournemouth's part, I'm going to go for a 1 all. Um, it feels uh, like a long time since we've had a 0 0, so it could, be, it could be one of them, maybe. I think, you know, Watford away. I can't remember if we've had many 0 0s. But anyway, uh, Jeff, um, once again, mate, it's been a pleasure to have you on.
5: Yeah, thanks a lot, Sam. Pleasure to be here.
1: So that just about wraps up another Back of the Net podcast. Now, the podcast itself was the subject of another podcast, if you get me, as I was featured on the You Are The Media pod, uh, which we're going to put a link to it on our Twitter and Facebook profiles in the week. And it's all about running a side project alongside your main job. So it was great to chat to Mark Masters. Mark, Cherry's fan, if you're listening, good morning, good afternoon. Actually, you told me you're listening in bed, so... Good evening. Uh, But yeah, nice to chat to Mark and um, yeah, just really interesting to hear uh, what he had to say. And also myself, I've been reading more about it and learning, uh, you know, the best ways to deal with running a side project and streamlining. But you can hear my experience of running back of the net on that podcast as well. It's a fantastic listen. And uh, do make sure you check out You Are The Media. Just type that in on all social channels to find them really engaging content, especially if you're a, a digital buff like me. So do you remember earlier in the programme, now this one's a really interesting one because it's all about the last outfield player for AFC Bournemouth to go in goal, it happened on the day before my birthday actually, 10th of September 2002 and the player was Marcus Browning, do you remember that? He took over the goalkeeper's gloves following an injury to Chris Tardiff in the 66th minute of a League Cup first round tie against Brentford. Uh, We had a 3-2 lead when Bournemouth went in goal but Brentford then equalised and that sent the game to a penalty shootout which Brentford then won 4-2. So yeah, the answer was Marcus Browning. You you could be forgiven for saying Steve Cook after his wonder save against Norwich, but no, the last AFC Bournemouth player to officially play in a competitive match where he ended up in goal was Marcus Browning, and that was, what, 18 years ago? ridiculous great days so yeah that was our do you remember question it was going to be one with regarding the last time we played on a leap year um but i noticed uh tom from the echo put that tweet out so i thought oh, i can't do that but that was uh 1992 um three nil exeter was it i think so against exeter either way um but yeah that was the last time we played but um it wasn't a bad result this time. Two-all against Chelsea. There are difficult matches ahead, uh, not least next Saturday against Liverpool. Safe travels if you're going. I will be going. Over, staying over the night in uh, Warwick on the Friday and then um, in Liverpool City Centre on the Saturday. So if you're about for a few beers on Saturday night, do let me know because, yeah, it'd be good to meet up. Uh, but until then, I hope you have a, a brilliant week and thank you very much for listening. To back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
3: Oh, Billy! What a lovely turn! And now it's played to the right hand side. Where Stacey's in, and Stacey's cross is turned in by Joshua King. And the space of three minutes, Bournemouth have turned this game on its head against Chelsea. Keen a couple last season, back on the score sheet this time round. It's Bournemouth two, Chelsea one.